Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. I had a conversation uh, this week and then over the weekend about, uh, you know, and I think part of it's uh, because many of us grew up in, in the charismatic church and everything um you know what do you see coming i don't know i'm trusting jesus and i can't foretell the future neither can you and prophecy is seeing through a glass darkly it 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 may not turn out like you you know you get something or think something or you read what somebody says I just trust Jesus. He's really trustworthy. He's really trustworthy. And I won't say don't worry about the future, but speak truth into your families, into your children's life. And um, I I even got asked about end time stuff, and I don't want to get into that this morning, but uh, I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. When will that happen? When he decides to do that. You know, when he decided, and you, your heart can take solace in that. He promised, and the angel, when he, when he, you know, when he ascended, you can read it next. He promised that he would return the same way. I'm sure the first century thought it was going to be then, because they were going through stuff we can't even imagine. Uh, 21 centuries later, uh, here we are. You know, I'm not tired of waiting, are you? I'm waiting for his return. And man, it'll be glorious. What will it look like? Exactly how he wants it to look. That was free. How's everybody doing? We're good? Good. That's good for me to hear. So I'm going to go ahead and give this teaching anyway. And uh, we're going to keep... Huh? Oh, forgot an announcement. The one announcement we have. Crystal of Brad and Crystal Boggs had her twins, a baby boy and a baby girl, and I'm supposed to get the, I wrote this down, I'm supposed to get the detail. It's remarkable. She is of stern stuff. Because uh, she had a lot of baby in her. So, um, eight pound, one ounce, and seven pound, 14 ounce, and that's almost 16 ounce or 16 pounds of baby and she went the full 40 weeks and she's alive huh she had them in two hours mm. at home let's pray for her Jesus we pray for Crystal Lord we so love her I so love that girl Love her husband, her family. Right now I pray for uh, unprecedented uh, just restoration to come into her body. That she would just uh, spark back very quickly. And that they would delight in adding two more to their family. Lord, they've become a tribe. So we bless, we bless the Boggs tribe in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's number seven, by the way. The 17th. Okay, we're going to uh, do a picnic the 17th of October, and you'll get the details in the bulletin. Yeah, so just kind of circle that, and then we'll give you more information next week. So, um, good. Well, we've been doing this thing on the learning circle. I'm not going to backtrack a whole lot, but actually go on to the, to the next part. And sense-making is the third part, and this came, comes out of a series in which um, I've actually taught this for years and used this for years. Uh, I had a lot of people say, what did you teach in Master's Commission as you were discipling young leaders and young men and women? And this is one of the things that we spent a lot of time with in teaching because we wanted to give them tools so that they could be good critical thinkers, 
critical not in the sense of you're critical towards something, but being able to evaluate things, and then problem solving. Because if you ask any organization and the person they want to hire is a problem solver. They, if you can hire a problem solver, it doesn't matter what they do in your organization, you can utilize them. They can, they can figure things out. And so a friend of mine who developed this and then gave me permission to use it and I morphed it and changed it to fit with working with young people and uh, he was a business consultant so I added a whole lot of stuff that I knew that was really the underpinnings which was the word of God and prayer and the Holy Spirit and everything and then going through it. And so we're at the stage, the the, the first thing uh, with the learning circle is to to become self-aware as opposed to uh, self-absorbed. Self-awareness is understanding how you affect the surroundings around you and what's going on. I'm aware that I'm involved in something. I'm aware of what's going on. Um, so the self-aware person gets into settings and when things change and you have to solve problems, they look at it and they go, uh, Huh, what's going on here and how is this affecting me and how am I affecting it? A self-absorbed person, it's all about them. You, this is occurring because, and it's all, it's all about how, how they're going to go through it. One is self-protective, the other is using, utilizing with the Holy Spirit the understanding that, I'm, hey, something's going on here that I'm uncomfortable with. What is it and why is this happening? So the second part of it is seeing that, you know, oh, consequences are going to happen, immediately going to prayer in the Word of God. And when you've noticed something happening and you depend on God, you lean into the Holy Spirit, and, and prayer is such a tool to do that. Aren't you glad that God isn't far away? We, t we tend, when we get into learning situations, to forget that He's right there with you. You know, we so for so long in the church, and, and I don't know, I don't never see anybody really teach this, but it really is the result of a lot of the teachings. God's here. My problems are this grand canyon between God and what happened. And then I'm over here on the other side of the grand canyon looking at my stuff, and there's God way over there. And that's just not true. Everything you go through in life, God's with you. He doesn't stop being with you when you do stupid stuff. Have you noticed that? Yeah? None of the rest of you do stupid? I'm perfectly capable of doing really stupid stuff. That doesn't make me bad. That makes me human. But God's right here with me. And when I do the stupid stuff, he's looking at me going, hmm, clean up on aisle four. And he helps me. He's there. He doesn't abandon me. As a matter of fact, John Lynch wrote an incredible book about this called On My Worst Days. It's one of the books that uh, was a, an, an arrowhead on the arrow of grace that God was using in my life to come to an understanding of this. It just pierced through everything. Besides all the other stuff I had read, when when John started using language that God was there, that the grace of God was there on my worst day. Well, which one's the worst? You'll find out when you die. Then you'll be able to measure them all. But it can feel like a worst day is a lot of days in the row. And then it can feel like good days for two years and then you have another worst day. And he's there with you in all of them. Doesn't abandon you. So the next thing to do is then you go through this thing called learning opportunities. And if you can do this, this is what helped me at first. I do this so in my mind now. I've become very acquainted with this tool. I go through a thing where I used to write it down, and it's good for you to write it down. I'll show you how to use it in a circle as we get towards the end of it. But you observe facts and actions. What happened? You get in a situation where it went all wrong. And you go, what happened? And then you talk, talk to yourself about your insights. Writing things down is a way of talking to yourself. You know, well, you're crazy if you talk to yourself. Oh, no, it's very biblical. I'll give you one. David. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who is he talking to? Himself. And he was talking about a difficult time, and the thing that he said was soul, mind, emotion, will. Now's the time for you to bless God. So this is the same thing. And when you do it, if you just uh, get some insights into this and talk to yourself about your feelings, because remember, feelings are emotions. And we talked about last week about how hard it is to deal with the motive issue. Because when you get in settings, and especially when it's conflict, it's real easy to attribute bad motive to someone else and purity to your own heart. I did that because, well, I didn't mean it the way you took it. Because all of my intention was good, that made it okay. No, it doesn't. You can have very good intentions and do it all wrong. So you have to be careful with that thing. The next thing to do after you're praying about it is this. Sense making. This is where real critical thinking and actually a whole lot of learning can take place in your heart. And if you write it down and you grab some scriptures. So I want to I give you a scripture this morning. And read it to you. Just take this in this morning. This is from Hebrews 5. And why sense making, the part of how you're learning, is so deeply important. It says in Hebrews 5, verse 12 For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles and the oracles of God. By the way, we don't understand all of what that means. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Now, he's not putting them down. He's saying, you're not making sense of stuff. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, and that is those by reason of use have their senses, making sense, exercise to discern both good and evil. We need this in this time in America, being believers today more than any other time. Because we're, we are living in the zenith of humanism. Humanism is dependent on relativity and relative truth. For years, the church taught absolute truth. We call that morality. There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Under relativism, it depends on your point of view and your position. So truth became this, well, if it's true for you, then that's truth. If it's your truth, that makes it okay. No, it doesn't. A truth can be a lie. Jesus talked about it in the terms of light. He said, listen, if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It becomes overwhelming because if the truth you're believing isn't true truth, then it distorts a hundred million things and you can attack real truth with it. And that's what we have going on right now. And I just gave you, a, you know, Lloyd's view on society right now. We're, we are living, they, listen, in America and throughout the world, in the 1930s, in the 20th century, the humanists got together, they had think tanks, and they developed a thing called the Humanist Manifesto. Everybody's complaining, they think we're in socialism right now. No, we're not, we're in humanism. Doesn't have to be socialism. We don't have to become communists. But we ought not to be humanists. What, what is that? It's setting man as the highest authority over man. And that's how you get relative truth. So truth for one person can be different from another. And then you can take things to mean, and this is where they get the term, so I'm, I'm actually going to address this this morning. I identify as, because they're using a truth. I don't want to be that. I, I want to be this. That's relativism. The true truth is this. Your DNA determines what you identify as. You don't, they're trying to make a choice that isn't there for a choice. And it doesn't mean that we don't care and walk through things in which the, the psychology of the human mind thinks different 
and wrong things when it's in darkness. We don't condemn for that, but we stand in true truth. So that comes right here where he says, listen, you got to have the solid meat of the word. What does God say is true? You, st- you, do- you don't even have to get in the Gospels. You go back to Proverbs and start looking at what truth is and the understanding of it, and it will help you make sense of other things. You can, you can gain sense-making. You can take your kids through the book of Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom. There was wisdom there because it was based in true truth, in the being of who God is. So he says, you got, you got to have full, solid food for that. Um, that means it's really important for you and I to know. So we don't let just the world and what's going on around us bash us. We find out. You dig. Uh, Well, I don't want to work that hard. Yes, you do. We got here because we didn't want to work that hard. Liberalism took control because we didn't want to do the hard work of going to a city council meeting. Talking to our schools. Being there. Uh, You know, I'm not condemning this. I just know this. So, God's desire is for us not only to know truth so that it sets us free, but to use it as discernment to help others, to have understanding, to make sense. Throughout the word of God, making sense meant this. So let, let me quote Isaiah. For my ways are higher than your ways, and my ways aren't like your ways. And he starts describing, he says, but since you can't understand them, this is God's humility. Come, let us reason together. Let let me think through this. So when it's talking about the ways of God, this is what what it's talking about is being able to understand that God has principles that he set up in the earth. We see it, so you look at Genesis, right? Book of Genesis, the time of Noah. Noah passes through the flood. There's lots of different views and teachings on that. But the incredible thing is, afterwards, God gives his ways in the promise. We all love the rainbow and the promise of God after that. But what he says is, as long as the earth remains, and he starts talking about the sea, those are God's ways. Those are God's ways. He says, as long as this has, there's going to be seasons, the sun's going to rise, the sun's going to set. Those are the ways of God. And we've made it like, you know, so simple that we think it's not worth looking at, but it's deeply worth looking at. As long as the earth remains, there's some things set in motion, and that's how you know. And those are all called, in principle, the word calls those the ways of God. I'll say we all want to know what God is like. Look at his ways. Look at his ways. Both Old Covenant and New Covenant. Here's here's God's ways. Let me show you one from the... This is a story that we all know really well from, from the Gospels. A woman caught in adultery is brought before him. The law says stone her to death. Right there you start showing... Jesus starts showing his ways. And he looks and he gets up at a bigger, bigger view. That's what God's ways make us do. He gets up higher and he goes, yeah, she was wrong and she was bad, but which among you hasn't sinned? Let him be the first to cast the stone at her. Those are God's ways. He's saying before you cast judgment on somebody else, Look at your own life. He does it again later talking about the, the splinter in the eye and the log. How can you take a splinter out of somebody else's eye when you have a log in your own? Well, is that to make us neutral and not do anything? No, it's to understand God's ways. In dealing with the human heart, how careful is God? How careful has God been with your heart? How much of a gentleman has he been? We all talk about covering of sin. How much of your life 
that was wrong did he cover and protect? Was he protecting wrong then? No, he was protecting you. He was protecting your heart in a moment of time in which you were fragile and breakable. And he protected you. I, t- I had a, got to see Noel Alexander yesterday and we were talking about life and the things that you go through. And I told him about that uh, we hadn't seen each other for a while. And we were talking about getting older. That's what old guys do. How old are you? I'm older than you. And going through all that. And then I told him, I said, I did this a few years ago. I did this bucket list thing where I was not wanting to do things, but telling the Lord what I was really glad of that I got to do in my life. And then some stuff I was really unhappy with. And then I just did this funny thing because it was near the birthday time. And I said, one of the regrets I have is my teenage and young adult years and that I didn't know you. I wish I could have known you earlier. I wish I could have believed in you and understood that you existed so I didn't go through all that. And man, he took me back to my 13th birthday in Janesville, Iowa, sitting under the maple tree on the side of the hill. And it was my birthday and nothing spectacular has happened. You know, my birthdays were just one of another thing. And I looked up in the, you know, looked up in the sky and there were beautiful clouds. And I remember I looked at them and I went, there must be a God. Because it was so stunning. That's all I said. Nothing spectacular happened on that day. But he took me back there and he said, when you didn't know me, I knew you and I heard you. When you didn't know how to believe in me, I believed in you. Because you existed and I knew you. How spectacular is that? What do we call those things? God's ways. They're mysterious. They're unexplainable. They're unexplainable. If I said that to somebody who wasn't a believer, they'd go, so what? You're just a kid. I say it to believers and we all get choked up. I get choked up talking about it. Because that's how much God cares. And those are his ways. And so when you're in a learning situation, what do you want to know? Set your self-protection aside and say, God, show me your ways. What am I supposed to get out of this? And sometimes that takes some pretty good analysis, you know. Sometimes you have to speak very difficult truth to yourself. This is something I taught myself to do. And the first one was harder than the... No, the second one was harder than the first. It's this. Analyze. Now, to analyze means to pick apart. What was the mistake and what was the success? What did I do here? And you really, it's a, it's a long, we're, we're willing to sing a worship song about it and then not do it to learn. I'm willing to say, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. But us sitting down and writing it down in front of ourselves, I think we're a little afraid to look at, man, I have a critical, sharp tongue. And my words can pierce somebody so quickly. And I let it loose too quick. That's called analyzing. Not condemning. It's just an analysis. It doesn't mean I'm the worst piece of dirt that ever lived. That's being self-absorbed. It means I'm doing a pattern of behavior that is different than God's ways and how he does stuff. Another tool with this when you're writing it down, search for parallels. Do you know what that means? It means, have I seen this before? Uh, Did this happen with Frank? This looks very similar to the thing that happened two weeks ago. God's at work. The Holy Spirit's revealing something. You've got patterns in your life. Look for parallels there. What's going, you ask yourself, what's going on here? Is this the way I always do it? Because this isn't working. That way you avoid the Einstein, great Einstein quote, you know? Einstein's 
quoted, quoted this, and it's kind of, it's a little bit apocryphal, but doing th things the same way, expecting different results, is a form of insanity. Because the way you did it isn't going to turn out different. It'll keep turning out the same way. So that means you've got to enter the learning zone of how do I do this differently, and that's called sense-making. You're making sense of it. You're comparing it with the Word of God. And the wisdom of God. Just do a, a search study just in the New Testament on the wisdom of God. And you will find that it's not this just little three-word phrase. There's an attachment of the principles that God's put into the earth and into believers' hearts so that we can grow. Most of us want to grow. Most of us get in our own way. The other thing that you can do when you start doing this a lot and using this tool is you can uh, uh, log your rule of thumbs. Do you know what that is? Um, I have these principles and God's ways that he's taught me that I write it. I, actually, I have them memorized inside of me. Those are my rules of thumb. You know, If I raise my voice, be sure the argument's going to get more heated. That's called a rule of thumb. So I have to focus my attention on, if I don't want it to turn out that way again, uh, you see the posters all the time, remain calm. You know, put your seat in an upright position. You know, it's a, remain calm. You speak calm into yourself. You can really learn from this stuff, but you've got to put some effort into it. Learning doesn't happen without effort. I'm not talking about getting God's approval. Learning doesn't happen without effort. If I want to learn a new way of doing it, that's why the rules of thumb. And then, you know, it's, a, it's actually a, it's a bad phrase and a bad connotation. It's an awful place where that thing came from, and I don't even want to go there this morning. Just trust me, historically, that's not a good thing. But having them is a, is a really good thing. And this is the time... That you give yourself the thing that's called feedback, just like David did in the Psalms. You talk to yourself about who God is, and then you talk to yourself about what yourself is. And going, man, there's disparity here. There's something, and, and here's where the, you know, where's the grace of God in that? It's immersed in it. Because God gives us grace to talk to ourselves the right way. So the right way looks like this. Lloyd, you can do this differently. Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask for you to help me to do it differently. Instead of, Lloyd, you're a schmuck and you're never going to get through this. This is you and you're always going to do it this way, so just give up now. One is authentic truth-talking and has its basis in God. And the other one is you living in shame and condemnation, which grace never applies. I'm not condemned that I did something wrong, but i condemned to repeat it if I don't look at what it is. The right way to do it is to speak truth to yourself. So that's why the other stuff that I taught is so important. The Word and the Holy Spirit. Um, had a conversation, again, I had several conversations this week, but with one person about the whole manner, the whole manner in which we approach being okay. What is Righteousness. So most of us in the process of going through difficult situations think we have somehow lost our righteousness, our right standing with God because of the things that we did. So when I get into my self-talk, I speak lies to that. That moves me back to the whole area, and we taught this twice in the past five years about strongholds. Strongholds are lies that you believe within yourself. As long as your self-talk and your feedback to yourself stay behind the bars of strongholds and don't line up 
with what the Word of God actually says about you, you can't get out of it. It's a prison of your own making. So what do you really believe about yourself? And what does the Word? So this is a conversation with Ahab. Talk to them about the difference in that. I was always taught that in the New Covenant and in the New Testament that the Word about me was prescriptive. It was just like going to the doctor and getting a prescription written. This is what you're supposed to look like it, and you're sick because you don't. That's wrong self-talk. The Word of God and what Paul does almost the entire time when he teaches, he's not teaching polemically. He is writing a description of what happened to you in Christ. Not what you have to do to become Christ-like, but what Christ has done so that you are Christ-like. And he describes you. And it's found there over and over and over again, even when they're tough scriptures like, listen, here's the list of people that cannot enter eternity of the kingdom. So we look at that list and we go, if I'm doing that again, I'm not going to enter in. We always forget the next verse of which some of you were. We forgot he's describing something. We think he's putting out a prescription. If I ever do this again, I'm dead toast and I'm never getting in. And he's saying, no, your identification has changed. And he starts describing, now this is who you are. That's the feedback that you want to give yourself. It pulls us out of shame, pulls us out of condemnation, and starts saying truth over our lives. I had to practice this by looking in the mirror and looking at myself. It was so uncomfortable, you guys, because I meant I was going after it with everything that was in me because I had tried every other way and come to the end of the road of right principles and they didn't work. And I had done them right and they weren't working. What I'd done is I'd come to the end of myself I was trying to do it in self-power to make myself be different. When I started taking the word as what it described about who I was, and I, with open eyes, I'd look in the bathroom mirror, get out of the shower, and then I'd stand there and say, Lloyd, you are a holy, righteous man on the earth today. Because that's what it says about me. It doesn't tell me what I have to do to become righteous. It says, you have been made as a free gift. It's what Jesus did. So Paul says, not having a righteous, right, and righteousness means right standing, not having a right standing on my own, but the right standing that he has with his father. And he gives it to me, and he says it, Paul puts it this way, he says, don't you know you've been clothed in that? Well, that means all the places that are, that are uncomfortable become comfortable because I'm clothed. I'm in my right mind. I'm no longer a gathering. That was what was shocking about the guy who was demonized. When the demons left, he went and got dressed and was sitting in his right mind. So I've used it for years as a joke. Well, it's good to see you fully clothed and in your right mind. We take this, what we're fully clothed like in our right minds. So when I read the Word of God, I don't read it to try and get someplace. I read it as a description of where I've been brought to. Do you see the difference? I've been brought, I'm not trying to get to that chair. I'm already there in Christ. This is what He has done in my life. Oh my, now you can start praising now you can sing praise songs and you can start analyzing, feeding back to yourself and going, so what happens when you make a mistake now, Lloyd? What do you do? Do you confess your sin? Actually, I don't. That's probably shocking to you. I go to God because I'm already forgiven. And then I tell him, I'm not living in my right identity. This is not who you made me to be. And I don't like the looks of it. The confessing of sin is when I've hurt other people with it. And I'm uncomfortable with it and I have to make it right with them. I'm right with God. I don't go to God to get forgiven. I go to God because I am forgiven. That's really key. If you can get over the hurdle of that and understand, He made a way for us. 
I don't have to convince him that I'm really not that bad a guy and that I'll try harder next time. Will you just forgive me this one more time? To get you to the point of hopelessness where you finally give up and go, nah, you're never going to change. I do the same stupid stuff all the time. Wrong! You need the big gong, the big buzzer to happen then. <laughs> Wrong way. Aren't you glad Jesus made a way? Jesus made a way that says, you're forgiven. Now let's talk about what's creating that in your life. By the way, you don't want to look at this right now, but you got some damage there. And it's from years ago. Oh, God's healed me of everything. No, it really happened and it hurt you. And you're still carrying it today. Will I ever get over it? Sure, the day I enter heaven, but I can't stop the stuff that happened on earth. Now, I can learn how to work through it. I can learn how to forgive it on an all-time basis. I'm 70 years old and I still have to uh, forgive things that happened when I was a little boy. They pop up. They happened. He doesn't make them go away. He loves me because it, I'm there and it happened. And I'm depending on him to help me. And he helps me through those. But he can't wave a magic wand and go, yeah, that didn't really happen in your life and it really didn't hurt you. I won't let it hurt you anymore. No, he's there in the hurt. He goes, oh, buddy. That, that's the stuff of earth that's still here, that Paul bemoaned. But God will take you through it. He will be there every... He's not... God is not one bit wigged out over your brokenness, and we think he is. He loves to partner with weak and broken people. Why? Because we're all weak and broken people. So I like the song the way Bono wrote it years later. He said, I'm not broken, but you can see the cracks. He's, has he healed me? Yes, I'm, not, I'm no longer broken. I have Jesus. But man, there's still some cracks there. But you know what? He's the super glue in my life. I don't leak. And I can change and I can grow. And that, and that where the cracks are, you know what he says about me? I'm a vessel of honor. Look at all the cracks in that thing. You're a vessel of honor. You carry within you my Holy Spirit. How big is the Holy Spirit? How important is the Holy Spirit? How truthful is the Holy Spirit? How compassionate is the Holy Spirit? How loving, kind, and sweet is the Holy Spirit. So much so that Paul's beseeching, oh, that you would have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all on a daily basis. I'm not talking about gifts or anything else. The closeness of God, and I can write stuff to the. Then I'm not scared to look at myself. So Paul writes it in Romans, in Romans 8, in a much different way. He says, if God is with you, and God is for you, then who or what can be against you? That's called God's ways. God gave you a trump card, and not the political guy. He gave, you, he gave you a card that says, get out of jail free. Does that mean I can do whatever I want? Literally, you can, but you won't. Because the truth of who he is is greater to hold you than the truth of you can get away with a sin. It's a trump card. It's, it's a trump card that covers the cracks. It says, you're going to be okay. You're going to make it. I'm with you. God's intent for you is to make it. Not just to heaven, to make it here. His intent. Well, you know, we, we want to go find God's will for your life. You are God's will. He's working out his will by living in you. 
He wants to live his life as you. Not just in you, as you. That's some of the meat that he was talking about in Hebrews. When I understand that, that I don't have to search for something, that I am something because he searched for me, game changer. So what you do after sense making, you move right into the next thing. Make a plan. If you don't make a plan, it ain't going to change. This is where you change the feedback to feed forward. What am I going to do differently here? And you start, here's, somebody, here's an actor that absolutely, he's still going, he's so old, but he absolutely blows me away. That's Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood has given us an example actually in Christianity about how we're supposed to live through life. So Clint Eastwood does this. He's the star of his movies. He's also the producer of his movie. He's also the director of his movies. So Clint Eastwood has to coach himself through the scenes. And he has to analyze and look at himself. Boy, that just was not good enough. We're going to retake that one. And so he lives it's such a breathtaking view of how the Holy Spirit wants to fellowship with us and cooperate in our lives. And if we can learn to coach ourselves by telling ourselves the truth instead of lies, I can now start making a plan. So the plan looks like this. The next time I see that, I'm going to, and then you fill in the blank. Start setting yourself up for cues for learning. What are cues for learning? It's literally this. It's rehearsing in my mind what I will do differently. So can I, can I use you? When Brenda says this to me, it always triggers me. Instead of seeing it as a trigger, I use it as a cue for learning. When she says this, I'm going to say this. Does that always work? No, not 100%, because I'm kind of a dim bulb. But when I keep shining the light on it and say, but I want to handle this differently, so I'm going to tell myself the minute I hear it said that way, I'm not going to respond in the way that I have in the past. I'm now going to respond differently with and actually write it out to myself. I am being the director to the person that is me. And the Holy Spirit's there to help me with it, to see Here's truth coming in. And I can actually, that's why I said be specific and speak truth to your house. Uh, John writes, you know, is that biblical? Yes, John says, don't you know whoever practices righteousness is righteous? He's not giving a prescription. He's giving you one of God's ways. When I learn to practice righteousness, guess what it looks like? righteousness when I don't deal with it and I practice unrighteousness and I refuse it guess what it looks like unrighteousness you know it's the old country saying you know looks like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's probably a duck but some of, of what some of you once were I'm not that anymore so just like the Hollywood director, Clint Eastwood, I start coaching my life. That's not who you are. You can be you. Where Maybe some of you do this. I'll just take a minute with that. Do you see yourself as patient or impatient? Are you a patient person or an impatient person? I don't know. I'm not going to raise my hand over that one. Most of us think that we're not very patient, believe it or not. Most people, when they're asked that, that's what learning programs have found. Most people don't think that they are, but I am, because patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And He is at work in me producing patience. And then when, 
it's not growing very well and it needs nutrients, he allows what James says, trials. Because they do what? Produce patience. If you'll have, let them work through. That's where you apply this stuff. When I'm going through a trial and I want to learn to become a patient person and actually see the Holy Spirit growing fruit in my life, not my patience, His. He's growing patience in me. And that's why I always say that trials, trials never reveal character, they develop it. If you were told that trials revealed your true character, that's not true. Trials are there so that you develop the character. You nurture it. You can nurture the Holy Spirit patience in your life. Some of it has to do with, you look at the rest of James, and we'll get with this one later in these teachings. But it's learning to hold the tongue. and really bad. That thing's really bad. The tongue is really bad. The biggest learning that you will ever learn in life is shut your mouth. The teachings are from Jesus forward. The manner in which you will most likely sin is not something you do. It's something you say. And actually what happens is your actions will follow your words. So there's a... We'll look at that little thing that says it can... Such a tiny spark and can set a forest on fire. No, not that forest. But. So you go, and let's finish this out today. I'm just going to spend, you know, this doesn't need a long time because it'll, it'll just make sense. Whoop. Most people become block learners because they're unwilling to do this stuff, to take a risk to volunteer at something you're not good at as opposed to something you're good at uh, or strong at. Uh, one of the ways that you can really look at new challenges is hearing a teaching like this and then emulating wanting to do it differently. Going, if you really want to change, take these teachings and put them into practice. That's pretty bold for you to say. I don't want to just teach into the empty air. If this doesn't mean anything to you, throw it away. But it can mean something to you and a change for your life. So you, you emulate and imitate others who see it. It's one of the primary means for learning. Cue for learning. Just talked about that. Gag learning. You know what that is? What that actually means? What does gag mean? Well, the acronym there actually means going against the grain. Have you watched The Chosen? Have, have you seen like the fish thing that starts occurring? In the whole, whole, what do they call it? The motif of the beginning of the show? Really pay attention to that because that's going against the grain. Jesus is choosing The Chosen. And that one fish turns and goes the opposite direction of all the other fish. And then there's another one that turns. And there's another one that turns. And he completes the learning circle. And I go against the grain of what I would normally and how I would normally do it and say, I'm going to try something new. Nothing has worked to change this. I'm going to try a new and different way. I'm going to find out. I'm going to put some effort into it and find out what God's ways are. And you can grow and you can grow and you can grow. This is what I know about me. I don't ever want to stop changing. Changing is who God made me to be. That I would gain a heart of wisdom in my hopefully 90 years of living. And that each, that I don't get stuck. I don't want, stuck, horrible. Another U2 song, you know, that really affected me with these, all these images affected me. I don't want to look like a car crash upside down with my wheels spinning. 
they're still going really fast, but I'm not going anywhere. So I'm on the hood of the vehicle. And everybody can else can see it's a crash, and I think I'm still speeding down the freeway. No, you're not. You're upside down. I don't want to be that. I want to I speed down this highway of God. This is what... Oh, how did that happen? It just died. I don't know. You're going to get it back? Okay. This is how the learning circle works. Lloyd, it's too hard. No, it's not. They are the easiest steps. And, and how do I get this kind of change? You start with it. You just start with it. Something happens. An experience occurs. You become aware of it. Go to prayer in the Word immediately. See how it's connected? By the way, you can go back a step. You do the things that we said. This is a learning opportunity. Write down to yourself what happened. Make sense of what happened. What is God trying to speak to me here? Find out what His ways are. Set an action plan. I'm going to do it differently. And then embrace some new challenges over it. Instead of waiting for weird Uncle Jake to come over, go visit him. Instead of putting up with him, go and do something nicer. Put yourself in a learning setting where it's completely different. And you have a whole new set of experiences. And you can keep repeating this. This is such a good tool, you guys. This changed my life. God, the Holy Spirit, in the manner of grace, took the Word of God. It became alive to me. I used this more after I came into the revelation of grace than I did before. Why did, it, why did that work? Because grace acts out things in our life. There are acts of grace that are occurring in each one of you right now. That if you started writing them down, you would be shocked. I need a little grace to change here. He goes, okay, it's going to be a tough one. Let's go. And he enacts his grace to open it up to you. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I pray for each one of our hearts. Give us the heart of a learner. Lord, show us how in humility to be everything you made us to be. Grant us the humility to understand that my mistakes don't steal my Christianity, that I can learn from them. Give me the grace and the humility to see that you're at work and you don't give up and that you're for me and not against me. Help me to learn. Give me that heart. Lord, we've said it so many times through prayers, but oh, we long to be like you. And we forgot to pray that we are like you. What's true of you is true of me because you're in me. And I receive it today in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Bless you guys.